welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. All right, good afternoon. I worked on that all week just to make sure I said good afternoon. Because if you ever preach, you're just conditioned to say good morning. And even in my prep, seriously, I said good morning multiple times. And so, good afternoon. I see that as a success right there. I am really tired just because I'm not used to, one, preaching this late. I'm used to preaching in the morning. And I was actually here this morning at Impact Church and their service to be a part of my sister-in-law getting baptized. And we were out to eat. Yeah, praise God for that. It was really cool. And it was cool to be a part of that body and just to see other believers and see that church and to see what's going on in this building Even before we get here, it's a blessing to see that, that God's doing his work through so many different churches and not just ours, not just this church or that church through his whole body. And we all have different purposes for his glory and his kingdom. But I say that because I'm really tired. We got home at like two after lunch. So if I fall asleep, just like nudge me and I'll get back up and we'll be back in the swing of things. So let's go ahead and pray and ask God to be with us and encourage us and give us his spirit because we need it every time we come to preach his word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the night that you've given us. We thank you for the day that you've given us. We ask that you would give us your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, please fill me up, fill us all up, control us, and use the giftings that you have given us to bless your people. Please, Holy Spirit, speak through me. Let your words be powerful today. Let it not be about my words, but your words. And let it be that even just the reading of your word, that that would be enough. Even if we read just one sentence of your word, speaking of who you are and what you've done, that that would be most powerful, that that would be beneficial enough because your spirit is with us and that it's actually the words, your words. And so please be with us, speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears to be able to see you for who you are, hear you for what you're saying, and let us experience you today. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all your good gifts that you give us. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection, your substitutionary atoning death on the cross. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to experience that, see that, and protecting us and sanctifying us in our lives. We love you, and we praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So one thing that Lydia found out about me, Lydia's my wife, one thing that Lydia found out about me, you know, first year of marriage, is that I think like most men, are, I'm oblivious to certain things. And like one thing with her is if she would get a haircut, I mean, her hair is like three feet long, and then she gets two inches cut off it, she expects me to see it. I'm going to be a little oblivious to that. I just told her right off the bat, I'd go, hey, just tell me, like, prep me. Hey, I got a haircut today. Like, tell me it looks nice. Okay. You know, (laughs) I need training. And like something else that I'd be oblivious to, like if our house is just a mess because of my clothes, just like being in our room all over the place, I could be tiptoeing around clothes all day and not even care. I just totally fine. But she she could clean it up one day. And I'd still be going like this. 
around the imaginary clothes, and she'll go, did you notice I cleaned? I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, thanks. Dang, you did a lot. And I'm like, it's crazy how oblivious I could be to certain things. And as I was telling her this, you know, about my intro, she was like, heck, yes, you're really oblivious to a lot of things that go on. But I think the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of us are oblivious to the battle that goes around us all day long. We're oblivious to the spiritual realm that's around us every single day. And us, us as Americans, we're very materialistic, so we see what's right in front of us. And we don't experience or see or try to even notice the things that are deeper. Yet we see in Scripture time in and time again that there's a battle around us. Like we looked at last week, and we're going to look a little bit today. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against this, this darkness around us, the devil and his demons. There's this battle that's going on, yet we tend to be oblivious all day. And so that's what we're going to be. We're going to be kind of looking at like three things. What was Jesus' plan? We looked at last week, what were the schemes of the devil? We're going to look at this week, what was Jesus' plans? And then what are the equipment or tools that he gives us, supplies us, and how to use those? Amen? So first point, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and then we're going to jump around a little bit, but I have them up on the screen for us. So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be in verse 10, and I'll read that later. But So for the first point, why did Jesus come to earth? What was Jesus' plan as he came to earth? What do you guys think? What, what comes to your mind right off the bat? What was Jesus' plan, or why did he come to this earth? You know, the, the quick response is to die or to forgive me of my sins, right? Is that, isn't that what kind of came to your mind when you first thought of it, about it? Well, it's interesting. That is a reason, but if we look at Scripture, when it mentions the gospel, when it mentions the good news of Jesus, when it mentions Jesus coming, there tends to be other things that come to mind when Scripture talks about it. And so the first verse I wanted to show us is Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And this is a theological term. It's the proto-euangelion. It's the first gospel. So the very first time the gospel, the good news about Jesus is ever mentioned in Scripture comes in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and comes in the, very, the third chapter of all of Scripture. Isn't that cool? And look at what it says. So it's a curse that God is giving to the devil, to the serpent. And he says, I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the very first mention of Christ, the very first hint of a person coming into this earth is to crush the head of the serpent. Isn't that cool? But we tend to miss that aspect of the gospel. We tend to miss the aspect that Jesus came to crush the head of the serpent. And I just, I just thought it was cool. The very first hint of Jesus is to do that. 
Look at, look at it, First um, John chapter 3. It's going to be up on the screen as well. First John chapter 3, verse 8. So it's the second part, but I'll read the whole verse. It says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Why do we neglect that aspect of the gospel? There's a spiritual battle around us, and Jesus is coming to destroy the works of the devil and his demons. Jesus on the cross crushes the head of the serpent, and now through our lives, he's given us his spirit, and the, the serpent is going to be crushed under our feet. Jesus is not done. He crushed the head of the serpent. Serpent's running around crazy, and he's going to crush it again, finish the work through his people. Isn't that cool? So the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. Don't miss that aspect of the gospel. There's a spiritual battle. Don't miss it. And Jesus is the victor. We just did Revelation. And it's about the, the serpent, the dragon, the beast trying to destroy God's people, but Jesus being the victor. Don't miss that aspect. Last verse before we jump into Ephesians. Um, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 11. So we're going to go 11 through 15. It says, In him also you have been filled, or sorry, in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been pure, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Like we read that and we go, good, we always read that part. But then look at the very last verse. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Yet even when I read that, I read this verse, I've memorized this verse, but I did not memorize the last verse. Why is that? And I just, the reason why I start this way is because I think us as Americans, we try to neglect. American Christianity tends to neglect this spiritual battle, this warfare that's going on. Yet, it's all in Scripture. Because who's behind it all? Who's behind the sin? It's the devil. Who's behind goodness? God. And all that's evil, all that's wicked in this world can be attributed to the devil. And one thing I'd give you guys is, if you guys have time, read through even Ephesians. And look at how much he talks about heavenly places, the spiritual realm, or the devil. It's in every single chapter. Yet we tend to just see all the commands that he gives us. We tend to see all the things that he gives us. Yet we don't realize or see all the spiritual things that he's mentioning. Every time he talks about the heavenly places. And it's in every single chapter. I read it this week just to make sure I could say that. But yeah, it's in every single chapter. So what was Jesus' plans? The schemes of the devil 
you know, our cunning deceit to get us, to hurt us, to attack us. The plan of Jesus from the beginning was to crush and destroy the devil. And it's always been that. And yes, we do. His plan was also to forgive us and to grant us access back into his presence. But the only way he could do that is if he destroyed the devil, if he crushed the head through the cross. Make sense? So now to our passage. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. I'm going to read verses 10 through 18, but we're mainly going to be focusing in on verses 16 and 17. And the point is the equipment that Jesus supplies. So let's read it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore the first equipment, first tool, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And this is our section. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen? And so there's, there's a spiritual battle that's going on. The schemes of the devil are coming at us. It even says, you know, fiery darts or arrows coming at us. Boom, just flying at us. And Jesus supplies us with six tools or six pieces of equipment or armor to fight this battle, to stand firm in the battle. And those real quick, just to go through them again, are belt of truth, um, belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes, which is the gospel, the shield of faith, the, the helmet of salvation, and then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so now we're going to focus in, you know, David talked about the first three, breastplate, the belt, and the shoes. We're going to look, focus in on the last three, the shield, the helmet, and the sword, okay? And then we're going to look at, lastly, just kind of how to use those. And then next week, David's going to sum it all up, how to really put those on, how to battle what's most important in this life as we go into battle with the spiritual forces. So the first one, the shield, the Greek word is actually used for a door. And the, the shield that the Romans would use would be like a two foot by four foot shield. And it would be most shields, I guess, back then in the ancient times are, were made of wood or plywood. And so flaming darts, you know, they would be able to stop arrows and darts. But if the enemy lit the tip on fire and, you know, sent it going, it would light that shield on fire and it'd be pointless. You know, the devil would be totally fine not to hit you dead on in the face if he could just light your whole cargo up 
and light everybody up with one or two darts. And it seems like he does like to do that. You know, sometimes we think we're good and then he just lights it up. How many times have you said, oh, I'm good. And then that day you struggle with the exact same thing that you're telling somebody you're good with. You know, he's like, oh, I got them on fire. <laughs> I lit them up. They don't, they don't even know. But the shield, the shield of faith, yes, it's that door. You know, it's the two foot by four foot shield that's made of wood. But then it would be layered on the outside layer of leather that would be able to extinguish these, these flames. Isn't that cool? And so it wasn't just wood. And so the, the enemy would try and hit them with it, but the leather would actually extinguish the fire. Isn't that cool? And it says the shield of faith, right? That's what it is, the shield of faith. And this faith isn't talking about saving faith. It's not talking about um, trusting just the gospel for salvation, but it's a faith that works itself out in obedience, that moves forward. And so when you're dealing with something, when, when trials are coming, when doubts are coming, when the devil's trying to tempt you, the shield of faith, when you take it up, it causes you and calls you to move forward. And I heard one pastor say that that's why it comes right after shoes. That's why it comes right after the gospel of shoes, the gospel of peace. Because as you have your shoes ready and you're ready to move, you now need the shield of faith to move forward. And when we don't have the shield of faith, it's when we're doing what we're being tempted to do. It's when we're retreating. But the shield of faith protects us from those temptations and gets us to be able to move forward. And then the second one is the helmet of salvation. And this, again, isn't talking about salvation, you know, just like someone being saved, like they need to put it on every time to now be saved and be forgiven by God. But it's actually what salvation does. Salvation is not only just what saves us from our sins, not only forgives us of our sins, but actually frees us from the power of sin. And the helmet is important, right? In battle, they're trying to go for the head, the head, the heart, you know, and the shield, yeah, protects you. But if you get hit on the head with something, you might be rocked. You might be hurt, but the helmet protects you. And how many times has, have Christians doubted their salvation, doubted their freedom from sin because the devil hits them over the head? We need to wear the helmet of salvation, knowing that we're f- forgiven of all of our sins and also freed from the power of sin. Amen. And so the helmet of salvation helps us to remind us of that. It doesn't save us and make us right with God. It's not calling us to now have faith, you know, saving faith in that moment, but put on. And something I didn't mention, I just want to back up because as I'm saying that, is the first three, which is cool with this armor, it says to fasten and to put on. Those three pieces of armor would be armor that the soldiers would wear throughout the day when battle's not going on. So they're just walking around wearing the breastplate, the belt, and the shoes. But then these last three, he says, take up, take up, take up. And it's three pieces that you have to now wear or take up when you're in battle. You're not always using them when you're just walking around, but when battle's happening, you have to take up the shield, put on, take, take up the helmet, and then take up the sword for battle. Isn't that cool? And again, it's an analogy you can use, you know, 
You could probably interchange these analogies, break down, you know, every once in a while. But these three, I think these last three work together as well. And then the last one is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, the sword in ancient battles was the only offensive tool. Everything else was defense. Everything else was basically PPE. You know, everything else is like when something's coming at you so that you can be protected. You know, PPE is personal protective equipment, if you guys don't know. You know, everything else is PPE. The sword is the only thing that's actually not only defensive, but actually offensive that they can strike back and hit with. And what's cool is it's the word of God, but look look whose sword it is. So the sword is the word of God, but it's the sword of the spirit. Isn't that cool? And the reason why that's important is because the spirit speaks through scripture. The spirit speaks to us through scripture and the spirit speaks through us in with scripture to others and to the devil. And so it's the sword of the spirit and that sword is the word of God. And I just would ask you guys, how often when you're being attacked, are you flinging that thing around? You know, some of us do just fling it around. We need to know how to use it. Like, you know, David mentioned that I used to box. Every boxer, when you go and fight, when you go to a bout, you're preparing for a certain fighter. And so you watch tape on them. You prepare for it. You always hear at the end of a fight, people go, oh, I just made adjustments. Oh, I just, oh, I didn't really watch any tape. It's like, yeah, whatever. Everybody watches tape. And if you didn't, your trainer did, and they prepared you for it. Because if you're in there and you haven't been practicing, you're going to fail. You know, if you're not used to certain gloves even for boxing, it feels weird. If you're not used to, like, I don't know, everything you use, the equipment that God gives us, we need to know how to use it. How many, like, how many of us would be able to tell us if we said, hey, how do you use the armor of God? How do you use the sword of the Spirit? How many of you guys would be able to really tell us how to use it? I think we hear it a lot and we like to talk about it, but do we really know that equipment? Do we really know the tools as if there are tools, how to use them? A lot of people, probably not. You know, so with the word of God, the sword of the spirit, let's know that sword. You know, if attacks are coming What are you going to say? Oh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That might not work. You know, maybe, you know, if somebody's trying to attack you that he didn't, you know, but you know, like the doubts that come, what are you going to use? Like, oh, Ruth and Boaz got married. Like, well, you got to be specific. Use it correctly. You can't just be flinging it around. Ah, don't do that. Know how to use it. So the lastly, how do we use these things? All three of these things work together. Um, For me, you know, I just think of that, the arrows, man. I just think of, I think of that a lot. The devil just throwing arrows at me. I have a lot of doubts. I, I wake up in the morning and sometimes I feel like I wake up with arrows inside me. Like I wake up, I'm like, gosh, she hit me like three times. I get up and I gotta, I gotta like pull them out. Sometimes I feel like I wake up and I'm good. And then bam, bam, I get lit up. You know, just all these doubts. How do we use the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. You know, one thing I would tell you guys is how do we use the, the shield of faith? 
is by doing what God's word tells us to do. There's times where I've dealt with lust a ton, like pornography and stuff like that. That's just not good. You know, you talk to guys where they're like on the computer, on the phone, and they're like, God, blow up my computer or else this is going down. How you pick up the, the shield of faith in that moment is you move. You put it down. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, resist the devil and he will flee. So it doesn't say just stay there and wait for him to leave. It says resist. You actually got to do something. That's picking up the shield of faith. It's obedience. It's movement. It's the thing that you can now move forward with. It's protection to go forward through that temptation, through that pain. How many of you are struggling with envy or covetousness because of social media? Put it down. How many of you guys are just disabled in your bed because of all the workload that you got to do? Get up and work unto the Lord. Get up. But yet we just stay there, laying there, just getting lit up by these arrows and arrows and figuratively just getting tore up. Let's move forward through the shield of faith. Get up and move forward. Not because we have to do that to be saved. We're... Remember, we have that helmet of salvation. We're forgiven of all of our sins. And now also we can know when we're being tempted, that helmet of salvation reminds us that we're also free from the power of sin, freed to move forward with the shield of faith. And when we're in those moments doubting salvation, because the devil wants us to doubt Sometimes that helmet of salvation, we might not be able to put it on because we don't remember the sword of the Spirit. And we have to fight him off until we can put it on. And we have to remember verses like Colossians 2, you know, where it says our record of debt was nailed to the cross. And he put to shame these principalities. He is victorious over the devil and his demons. And as we close... I just want to also say, let us be mindful that there's a lot more going on in our day-to-day than just physical realities. A lot of times when there's a brother or sister struggling with certain sins, even anger, like I've had extreme, like during this time, especially in the beginning, extreme anger towards my sons and my daughter, just wicked anger. And I'm like, oh, I just need to pray more. I just need to read more. I'm reading for like two hours, and I'm like, why am I still angry? There could be a spiritual force tempting me or influencing me that I maybe need to pray against, that Jesus maybe is waiting for me to call out to him and ask him to get him out of there. And it's crazy how often that type of prayer gets it done. And it's like, wow, yeah, I still should pray and read and fast and confess and all that stuff. But there's sometimes there's a spiritual reality that's going on and we miss it. You know, how many of you, like, maybe this might be controversial, but how many of you have had sleep paralysis and you explain it away materialistically? And you go, oh, it's because I'm, you know, in that middle ground of sleep and waking up. And yeah, that might be true. Maybe that is sometimes true. But you listen to enough people that have that, they all have the same experiences. Lydia was having it when we first got married, and we prayed, Christus Victor, Christ be victorious over our house, stopped having it. 
You know, how many of you are having struggles with your wife or your husband or your kids or your boyfriend, girlfriend, that maybe it's not your fault? I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to think, oh, yeah, I'm good, so I can do whatever. Oh, it's just the devil. No, I want you to attack it correctly. Let us not be oblivious to the things that are going on in our lives and let us attack it correctly and fight it correctly. You know, let us fight the actual enemy and stop beating ourselves over the head thinking it's us and now thinking, oh, because I'm stuck in this, I must not be saved. I must not have enough faith. I must not really trust God. No, you do get up, wear that helmet of salvation and wear that shield of faith, move forward, but use the word of God correctly. Pray to God and ask him to get it out. I'll share two last things and then I'll be closing up. When me and Lydia first got married, we didn't have many arguments in dating, and we didn't really have that many problems in dating. We have a lot more problems now, but I mean, that's, we're doing good though. But when we first got married, it was weird. Like on our honeymoon, we were good. Man, it was great. It's perfect. But we moved into this house that was on Paseo Diablo, which is like the devil's past. So that's a little, a little hint, like, spoiler, I should have known, that's, that's the thing, I was like, oh, yeah, this should be fine, yeah, but man, when we first moved in there, man, it was fine during the day, we would get in bed, and we would just be mad at each other, it was the weirdest thing, for like two weeks this one, maybe even longer, I can't remember, and I also, I didn't connect the two, but I also would like hear things. I'd just be kind of creeped out. And growing up, we had weird stuff going on in our house. And so I was always aware of that, but I knew Lydia wasn't aware of it. So I didn't want to scare her. So I just left it. I was trying to, you know, be scared of my own. You know, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it, babe, without her knowing. And man, but every night we're having these arguments. I'd be like scared off in the corner, you know, and like we would just not want to ask for forgiveness. We would not want to work through it. We would just be angry, not yelling at each other, but I'd just be like, you need to ask for forgiveness. Just bitter, like little punks. And like turning over in bed, like, oh, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to show you how, you know, how mad I am. I want to hurt you. And like just being a jerk. And um, one night we come home, Lydia's just like pale face. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, do you think something's wrong with our house? And I was like, yeah, I do. I didn't want to tell you because I want to freak you out. But and I'm like, dang it. Here I was like trying to be all manly, scared and not telling her. And she's freaked out. And she's like, man, I've been having demonic nightmares every single night since we moved in here. And I was like, all right, let's pray over the house. We prayed over the whole house or, you know, everywhere. And the last spot was our bed. And we laid down, and I remembered the verse that I shared with you, 1 John 3, 8, where it says, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. And I said, there's a Latin phrase, Christus victor. Christ is victorious over the devil and his demons. It was the last thing we prayed. And we stopped arguing like that. We... She didn't have sleep paralysis anymore. She didn't have those nightmares anymore. Yeah, we still argue. We got different problems. And we got three kids. No, I'm just kidding. Kids are a blessing. I hate how people say jokes like that because we want to have a lot of kids too. So we want to keep going. So I need to stay in a positive mindset. But we have, you know, different problems now. But it is weird. When we prayed over the house, 
some of that stuff dropped off. Isn't that weird? How many of us are neglecting the battle and fighting somebody else that's like, what the heck are you doing? I don't, <laughs> I don't even know why you're hitting me. Let's fight correctly. And another thing is like with our kids, there is nights where they just scream and cry at night because they cannot sleep. And we're like protecting them, praying and all that stuff. And it's weird. There's sometimes like one night, one of our kids was screaming and kicking his legs like just uncontrollably. And Lydia woke me up and was like, hey, you need to pray for, for our son. And I'm like, okay. I get up and I'm like going over there. I'm like trying to wake him up. Hey. And he's not waking up. And he's ah, ah, kicking his leg. And so I just say, in the name of Jesus, and I start praying over him. I know some people are weird about that stuff, but you know, let's just call out to God, see what he could do. He's, he's victorious over that. He commands the demons to go into pigs. They're like, hey, can we go? And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, get, you know, whatever's going on, get out. Please, Jesus, you are victorious. Boom, stops, falls asleep. Went back to sleep. That's happened multiple times with our kids. And I've talked to neighbors, I've talked to family, like where their kids have a hard time. Maybe let's just check the box. Let's just check, you know. What's God going to go, what the heck? That wasn't them. That was just their, you know, they were having a nightmare. You know, no, God's not going to be mad at that. Let's just check the box off. Let's pray, read, confess, all that stuff. And let's also just pray that, you know. Let's just see. Because there's a spiritual battle going on. And in closing, let us always remember that Jesus is victorious. Jesus is king. He is ascended and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He's ruling and reigning. The devil is freaking out, trying to do as much as he can now. But God's got him. His days are numbered. And through communion, it's a means of grace, not just a symbol It's not just to remember, but it actually sustains us till he comes, till we partake of it in the day that he comes, in the supper of the the lamb, the celebration, the wedding feast. It's a means of grace to us, and he's with us when we partake of it. And remember, when when we take the body of our Lord, it was broken for us, to crush the head of the serpent, to free us from bondage. But yeah, let us remember that this body was broken. This is our Lord's body that we partake. And it is a means of grace. He sustains us and feeds us. We feed on this till he comes. And remember that his body was broken so that we can be made whole. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's partake. And this cup reminds us of the spilled blood of Jesus. He sprinkles us clean and cleanses us, blots out all of our transgressions, washes us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanses us from our sins through his blood. And it's a means of grace even now that we get refreshed through it. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, 
that the Spirit sprinkles blood on us. It's a sprinkling, so it's a continual thing. And so right now, it's a means of grace that we partake of the blood, reminded that we are forgiven of all of our sins, that all of our sins are cleansed. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's partake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your plan of redemption, that you saw the devil swoop in, and you knew the devil was going to do that, and tempted us and caused us to sin, took us away from you, broke our relationship and fellowship with you, and you, from the beginning, your plan A, not plan B, not plan C, your plan A was to crush the head of the serpent. Your plan A was to defeat him. Your plan A was to free us from bondage of his bondage. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you, Father, for your plan. We thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross, even when it seemed like you didn't want to, when you didn't want to face that the wrath of God, you got up to empty yourself fully. When you looked empty, you got up to empty yourself even more to the point of death, death on a cross, like a slave, like a servant, so that we could be forgiven, we can be saved, to fulfill the plan of your Father. The blood of bulls and goats cannot satisfy, cannot forgive sin, cannot cleanse us, but it's your body, your blood, that cleanses us of all of our sins, all of our guilt, all of our sin, all of our transgressions, and allows us to walk into the presence of your Father And it also frees us from the power of the devil. We are no longer slaves to the devil, but we are slaves to you. We are free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for opening our eyes and constantly reminding us of the word. Please, Holy Spirit, use this word to sanctify us, encourage us, and strengthen us to move forward with the shield of faith with the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. We love you, God. We praise things in your name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.